Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So I'm going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to read to verse 10. And um, we're going to actually talk a little bit about the whole book. So get ready. Buckle up. (laughs) So chapter 1, verse 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth since you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as also you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul is greeting them, and now he transitions into a prayer. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, Do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And increasing in the knowledge of God. I think I'm going to stop there. We could read on, but I'm going to stop there. And I want to focus really uh, pretty much on this thought of increasing in the knowledge of God. Pastor Gwenmar has been doing a series, Going Deeper. And so the title of this message is Going Deeper in the Knowledge of God. We want to know God more deeply. Does anybody in the room want to know God more deeply? Right. <clears throat> so that's what we're going to talk about, increasing in the knowledge of God. Father, I pray you'd help me today to speak what you want me to speak, and help us to hear what you want us to hear, and to be changed by it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I think, first of all, it would be helpful to to talk a little bit about the book of Colossians as a whole. I I don't know how much you know about the book, but I think it would be helpful if we understood a couple of things. First of all, most epistles, when we say epistles, that means the little letters after the book of Acts. Most epistles were, are what we call occasional books. That doesn't mean they happened once in a while. <laughs> what that means is they were in response to an occasion, some event, probably some false teaching, maybe some conflict, some problem. And the apostles would write the epistles to address those problems. And Colossians is, that's, how it, that, that's what it fits that bill. It is addressing a problem. And it, what it's addressing is evidently two false teachings <clears throat> that were making their way into the church in Colossae. The first false teaching was the ever-present Judaizers. Have you ever heard that term before, Judaizers? Oh, not very many. Okay. So, let me tell you what Judaizers are. Judaizers were 
uh, Jewish Christians, and, but they believed, they contended that you had to keep the law. And they made it their life goal to go throughout the known world and, and to trouble the Gentile churches and to basically try to coerce the Gentile Christians to become Jews. And they said that you could only be a good Christian if you were a Jew first. And so that's what they were doing. So when you see Paul saying, don't let people judge you on new moons or Sabbaths or festivals or what you eat or what you drink, what, that's exactly what he's doing. He's refuting the claims of the Judaizers. I'm not going to talk about them today, but that's one thing he's talking about. The second thing that seems to be happening is an early strain of what came to be known as Gnosticism. And that's spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a huge problem in the second century for the church. But this seems to be an early strain of it. And Gnosticism, and I don't have time to tell you all that Gnosticism was. I don't understand what all it was. But, but, it, but basically, they, they believed in this hierarchy of spirit beings and that this rogue spirit being had created the earth and, and that everything material was bad. Everything of the flesh was evil. Nothing material could be good, and only the spiritual was good. And they believed that Jesus had come to correct or to, to give insight, to give enlightenment so that we could know how to escape our terrible bondage of our human bodies and our spirits be released. And that's pretty much what it was about. But here's the key. What they believed was that oh, you could only have this release by this secret knowledge. You had to have this, you, you, you had to have this special knowledge of these mysteries. And, and what they also taught, and this is very critical to this message, they also taught that very, very few got that knowledge. Only an elite few got the knowledge. And so, you, so what you see is Paul... He is setting out and saying, no, we all can have the ability to know God, right? And that's what, he, that's what the, basically the whole book is about. So if you notice in chapter 1, verse 6, we just read it, that since you knew the grace of God in truth. In verse 9, we just read that too. He's praying that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will and that we would increase in the knowledge of God. He's praying that we will know God. And in chapter thir verse 13, really one of my favorite verses, but I've really understood it differently than ever have before, it says that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the, I mean, from the power of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. But when I did a little study on that, I realized that the word power is exousia in the Greek, which means authority. And the word for darkness means to be obscure or basically means to be ignorant. And so what he's saying is that God has delivered us from the authority of being ignorant of God. But now we know God. And so now we're set free. We're put into the kingdom of the Son. In, in, in verse 21, it says that we were enemies in our minds. And then verse 27, it says that God made known to us the mystery of the knowledge of God's will. It's powerful. 
Chapter 2, verses two, three, 1 through 3, I actually thought about speaking on that passage of Scripture. He says that we would be filled with, the, with all the fullness, all the fruit, all the riches of full understanding. That we would understand who God is and what God is and the promises of God. That's, and he goes on. There's actually several more, but maybe I'll just stop there. Well, I'll give you one more. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 10 talks, talks about <clears throat> that we put on the new man. We put on the new man. I'd love to preach that one too. We put on the new man created in knowledge, in knowledge, according to the image of the one who created us. So this whole book, you see him dealing with this, this false teaching that's coming in and saying that, that only an elect, a very elite few can get to know God. He said, no, 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 we all get to know God. We all get to know him. So first of all, let's go to verse 6. I'm just going to kind of start there. We're not going to spend much time there. You guys with me? So, so I know I just covered the whole book. So sorry about that. But, uh, but I wanted us to get the picture. I wanted us to get the picture. So in verse 6, it says that since you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, and so that was the beginning point, knowing the grace of God. Now, one of, this is an important part for you to remember. They didn't know about the grace of God. They knew the grace of God. Let me repeat that. They didn't know about the grace of God. They knew the grace of God. They experienced it. They experienced the grace of God. That's what it means to know something. We can know all about something, but not know it. But they heard and they knew. They heard and they experienced the grace of God. They knew the grace of God. And so that brings us to the primary passage that I want to talk about, verses 9 and 10, where Paul said, since I heard all that, so just... For information, Paul didn't begin this church. It was actually begun by one of his disciples. And in fact, as far as I know, Paul never visited the church. I don't think that he ever did, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not that old. But, um, he, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he never visited the church as far as I know. And, but he heard that they had received the grace of God. He heard that they had experienced the grace of God. He also obviously heard about these two competing false teachings that were trying to make their way into the church. And so he says, for that reason, I don't stop praying for you. And here's what he's praying. He's asking that they can be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that they can be Filled with the knowledge of God's will. So the word filled in the Greek is plerao, and it means to be crammed full. It, means, it doesn't mean just kind of full, but it means crammed. You, just every, you stuff something as full as you can. And he's praying that we can be stuffed as full as we can with the knowledge of God. And then it has the connotation of that making us complete. 
So you have this picture in verse 6 that they've heard the grace of God, they've responded to the grace of God, they're saved, but now God, now he's praying that God can complete them. Amen? That what, what began with the grace of God, what began with them hearing and responding, what began with them being saved, now he wants it to be filled up and completed in their lives. And so it has this picture of this ongoing fullness of God. And you're going to see that it doesn't end in a minute. So let's just talk for a moment about the will of God. First of all, the, it doesn't really give us the details of what that means. So we just kind of have to deduce it from the scripture. But first, I think that it, the will of God has to do with God wills for everyone to be saved. And the reason I say that was because these false teachers, well, in fact, both sets of false teachers, the Judaizers were saying, well, only if you become a Jew can you be saved. And the pre-Gnostics, whatever they were, they were saying, you just have to have this, you have to be one of the elite few that has this very select knowledge, and then you get to be saved. And, and Paul's, he's countering that. Because he, he knows that God wants everyone to be saved. First Timothy 2.4 says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. To come to the knowledge, to know the truth. Second Peter 3.9 says God is not willing, his will, he's not willing, God is not willing that anyone should perish but that everyone, every single person should come to repentance. So you can imagine these people, they, they're, they're barely new Christians. Then they have these Judaizers coming in and saying, you've got to keep the law to be saved. And you've got these <clears throat> pre-Gnostics coming in saying, well, you've got to have this select elite knowledge. And you can imagine these people feeling uncertain about their salvation. Wow, am, am I... Am I really saved? Do, do I really, am, do, am I measuring up? And I'm sure that there were many people in that church that were struggling, wondering if they were actually even saved. And Paul is saying, I want you to know that God wills for you to be saved. God wants you to be saved. He was letting them know, yes, you are saved. Yes, you are born again. Yes, you are Christ's. Yes, you are. And I just would say to this room, I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but God actually wants you to be saved. That's his desire. He wants you to be saved. He wants that. He desires for you to be saved. He desires for you to come to the knowledge of the truth. The second thing that I think the will of God probably means is understanding all that God has provided for us in our salvation. And so you find that running throughout the book, understanding the fullness of all that God has provided for us. I don't think that, I mean, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, it hasn't even entered the heart of man, the things that God's prepared for us. I mean, what God has for us is beyond comprehension. It is immeasurable. He has delivered us from sin. He has given us a new identity. He has given us fullness in the Spirit. He, he has healed us at every level of our being, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. God has brought healing to our lives. 
He has delivered us from every kind of bondage. And we all have points of bondage. He's brought us into perfect freedom. He's given us purpose and meaning. There's a reason to get up in the morning. If nothing else, to glorify God, right? I mean, there's, he has given us purpose and meaning. And he's wanting us to understand that. He's wanting us to be filled, crammed full with the knowledge of that. That's what he's wanting to happen to us. And I would say, I can't really point to a scripture to, to bear this out, but I believe that it also involves his will for us as individuals. I mean, who to marry, where to go to school, what job to do, where to live. I believe God wants us to know. I don't think he wants us groping through life in darkness, not sure of what we're supposed to do. I believe he wants us to be, have a very clear picture of his plan for our life. Now, he doesn't often lay it out there long term. <laughs> we kind of have to discover it as we go, but that's part of walking by faith. And so I believe that's, he, all of that is the will of God, and he wants to cram us full of that. Then notice, then let us notice what, what well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Forgive me. But never mind. I'll come back to that later. And then I want us to notice this. He says that he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does spiritual mean? Well, Gordon Fee is a great scholar, and he says the word spiritual is very weak and very basically meaningless. The word spiritual, as it usually is, translated in the New Testament is from the Greek word pneumatikos. I need to stay where I am. Pneumatikos. And that word means from the Spirit. From the Spirit. The two, today's New International Version, which I don't read that translation, but <clears throat> it, says, it says that give, given us through understanding that the Spirit gives. And that's a good translation. That one part is. That's a good translation. <laughs> How do I really feel about that book? But, uh, <laughs> but that is actually a good, good translation. It's understanding that the Spirit gives. And so almost every place in, when you read the word spiritual, basically it's meaning from the Spirit or by the Spirit or through the Spirit. And so Paul is saying, I'm praying that you're going to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that the Spirit will help you understand that. That the Holy Spirit is going to be what gives you that revelation. So I just quoted 1 Corinthians 2.9, that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God's prepared for them. But the very next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And so, it's such, this is such a crucial part of the message. We need, we're going to come back to it at the end, but I want you to hang on to this. That we, God fills us up with the knowledge, His knowledge, by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what opens this up to us. Then, I want us to notice what the results are. The results are that you may, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. 
fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what he's saying is when we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, then we walk lives that are worthy of God. We are able to fully please the Lord. We bear fruit in every good work. So let me just ask this. If that is the result of being filled with the knowledge of God, is it then fair to say, if I am not filled with the knowledge of God, that <laughs> I won't walk worthy of the Lord? I won't be fully pleasing to him. I won't bear fruit in every good work. Is that, I mean, is it fair to say that? If I'm filled with the knowledge of God's will and it results in walking worthy and pleasing God and bearing fruit, I think it just stands to reason then that to not be filled is to not walk worthy, not please, and not bear fruit. Right? And so that's why it's so critical what we're talking about today to grow deeper in the knowledge of God. We want to grow deeper in the knowledge of God. Doesn't mean that wherever you are now is not good. It just means there's deeper for you to go to. Right? So thank God for where you are in the Lord today. But don't be satisfied with that. Be determined to grow deeper. Be determined to be filled more, to learn more, to experience more, to know God more. And then the result of that is that you increase in the knowledge of God. So I see this circle that we, we hear and know the grace of God, and we respond and we're saved. And then God fills us up by the Spirit crams us full and completes us in the knowledge of his will by the Spirit. And that results in us walking worthy and being pleasing and bearing fruit. And the result of that is we increase in the knowledge of God. Now we know him more deeply. Now we know him better. Well, that results in what? Walking worthy of the Lord, right? Fully pleasing Him and bearing fruit in every good work. It's just, it just a continuous cycle of continually growing deeper in the Lord and walking worthy and bearing fruit and fully pleasing and then increasing in the knowledge of God and then walking worthy and bearing fruit. Just an ongoing, amazing, beautiful cycle. You see that? Y'all with me on that? So, <clears throat> increasing in the knowledge of God. Now then, I want to talk a little bit about what is our part? What do we do? <laughs> what do we do? There's really, I mean, I just, went, I've gone through this. I've actually been reading the book of Colossians for a couple of months. It's just been amazing for me. I've been stuck in it. I can't get out. I'm, I'm, thinking this week I'm going to start on past it, but we'll see. <laughs> but um, I've been looking, okay, what, what do we do? What is our part? And, and I, really, I really at first couldn't see anything. 
But, but I noticed two things, and I'm going to add a third, but two things. Well, three things. Number one, he says, since you heard, since you heard, since you heard and knew the grace of God, they had to hear the gospel. They had to hear it. Our part is to hear the Word of God. Our part is to hear what God's saying. That's our part. Hear Him. He does the work. But we hear Him. Well, how do we hear Him? Well, we hear him by the Spirit. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But, but the basic way I know to hear him is, and this is falling apart, is through the Word of God. How else are you going to hear God except through his Word? Now, I talked about knowing. I'm going to come back to that thought now. Knowing is not just knowing about. Knowing is experiencing it. But we learn, we, we know about God. And as we know about God, we can know God. And as we know God, we learn more about God. And the more we know about God, the more we know God. You see that? Well, how do I know about God? Through his word. Through his word. So let me just say, and I don't want to come across as sounding critical. Don't, please don't take it that way. But, but I am, how to say it? <laughs> but I am just greatly concerned. George Barna, in his research, and if you've not heard of him, he's a Christian researcher, but he, in his research, the average Christian really doesn't know the Word of God. The average Christian really doesn't even read the Word of God very much and doesn't know much about the Word of God, doesn't know much of what's in the Word of God. I, I just am really concerned about that. Very, very concerned. We, we need to be people of the book. We need to be people of the book. We need to be people filled up with the Word of God. We need to be hearing God. Well, yes, by the Spirit, but we, we, need, to, we need to hear Him in the Word. So I don't know what, what to do with that other than to just pray that it will become a challenge for you. That you, if you are in the Word, praise God, that you would be in the Word more. <laughs> if you're not in the Word, that you will be in the Word. And if you need help, in fact, we're going to be setting up Bible studies this fall. Hopefully that will be helpful to some of us, to some of you, some of us, that we will be able to get into the Word of God. And 
be diligent to read and to know and to hear. Hear the Word of God. So the first thing that we do is we hear God. And we hear Him by the Word. And I, I, I mean, I've been a pastor for many years, and I know what some of you are thinking. I've tried reading the Bible. I don't understand it. Yes, you do. You understand it more than you think. And, and besides, talk to me. I'll help you know where to start and how to do it. And you, you can learn to read the Word of God. You can learn to read God's Word. But that brings us to the next point. And that is that what, what else we do is we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. He prayed that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will with spiritual understanding. Understanding that the Spirit gives is a much better translation. So if I'm going to get understanding that the Spirit gives, I'm going to have to open my heart to the Holy Spirit. Right? How else am I going to receive that? So, I really feel like this is such a critical point in our talk. That we need to learn to open our hearts up to the Holy Spirit. So many Christians, I'll just use the term non-Pentecostal Christians, but just so many Christians, are what I call Trinitarian in doctrine, but binarian in practice. They, they believe, yes, I believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in actuality, there's no place in their life for the Holy Spirit. He's not there. They, in fact, many people are very afraid when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. They're, they're worried about what you're going to ask them to do. They're, they're worried about what the Holy Spirit's going to do. They just get very nervous when you start talking about the Holy Spirit. And so that's one group. On, on the Pentecostal side, I feel like we have often made the Holy Spirit nothing more than... Um, well, just a, 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 an experience. We, it's, we have this experience of being filled with the Spirit, or, or we have, <clears throat> excuse me, our experiences of these moments in time when we have ecstatic moments with God. And that's great. That's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the Holy Spirit's much more than that. In John 14 and John 16, Jesus clearly gave us the reason for the Holy Spirit coming to us. And it was to teach us and to guide us into all truth. That's the reason for the Holy Spirit coming, to teach us and to guide us into all truth. So we don't want to be binarian where we just excise the Holy Spirit completely, and he's, even though we say we believe in him, we don't include him in our lives. Nor do we want to become focused on just some kind of experience that we make 
equivalent to the Holy Spirit. We need to open our lives to the working of the Holy Spirit. We need, we need to allow him to teach us and to guide us. He, the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of the Bible. So I don't know if you know that or not, but I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of the Bible. We believe, now not everybody believes, but we believe that every word in this book is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that it's without error. He inspired it. And 2 Peter says that holy men of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit and wrote it down. But also, it's also important for us to realize, not only did he inspire it, but he illuminates it now. He inspired it, but he illuminates it. He brings it to light. He makes it clear. He gives us understanding. Opens our eyes, yeah. And so, what we do is we hear the Word of God and we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Now, what are we talking about? Make sure we haven't lost our train of thought. We're talking about increasing in the knowledge of God. We're talking about growing deeper in our knowledge of God. That's what we're talking about. And that that knowledge comes, the Spirit of God brings that knowledge. Hearing the Word of God brings that knowledge. I would just add a third one. I don't have it in the Scripture, but just you could take it or leave it. <laughs> but I just believe a third way that we, that we are part is in our worship. I really believe that when we worship God, Jesus said, now here's my, here's my scriptural foundation, Jesus said in spirit and in truth. Right? We worship God in spirit, so there's the spirit, and in truth, there's the word. And as we worship God in spirit and truth, I, I'm sure, I, I, whether you even realize it or not, you have a better understanding of God right now than you did before our worship service. There's things that you, that you learned about God during worship. Some of those things may be cognitive, but many may not be. They just may be something intuitive inside of you that you now understand about God that you didn't before. But you do know more about God right now than you did before we had worship. In spirit and in truth, we meet God. We encounter God. We know God when we worship in spirit and in truth. And so that's the three things that I think that we do. That's our part. God's part is to fill us up. And he's ready to do it. Amen. I think, I think when we just give him an inch, he takes a mile. If we just spend five minutes in the Word, He makes it like 20 minutes in the Word. If we just open our hearts a little bit to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit takes even more. Because He is, He wants us to be saved. He wants us to have a full understanding of all that He's provided for us. He wants us 
to be able to walk out his perfect will for our lives. He wants that. God wants that. So growing deeper in the knowledge of God. Wow, we're getting done early. <laughs> so I guess everybody will be okay with that. So we're not having altar service because of COVID, but I want you to respond. I want you to stand, if you would. <clears throat> and without any guilt, no condemnation, none of that, but just honestly assess how, how much are you hearing God? So my goal would be for you to walk out of here today with, with some action steps that And I just know, I mean, I don't, and I don't say it critically, I just, I, I don't want you to take it that way, but I just know, because I've been doing this a long time, that many of us are really not in the Word, and that you would make the decision today, when you walk out the store, that you're, you're going to spend time in God's Word beginning this afternoon. I encourage you not to start in Leviticus. <laughs> I, in fact, I encourage you to start, I actually encourage new readers to start in the book of Mark. I know John is usually the one that we talk about, it, and John's a great book too. But Mark is such an easy reading book. It's just so action-oriented and just gives us this picture of Jesus. So if you don't know where to read, just start in the book of Mark or the book of John. Just read and, 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 and just say, God, show me Jesus. Show me Jesus. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. So I'm praying that you will have an action step of time in the Word of God. And then secondly, I just so anxious for you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Now, and I know that's for so many that that oh that just is frightening. What does that mean? What's going to happen? Well, the Bible says that God loves us so much, more more than we as human fathers love our children. But as human fathers, if our child asks us for a fish, we won't give him a snake. So if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, what he's going to give you is going to be good. It's going to be good. Amen? It's going to be good. So I pray that you'll do that. And then I pray that you will purpose in your heart to worship God. Don't wait for next Sunday morning to worship God. Worship Him at home. Worship Him driving in your car. Worship Him when you're getting dressed in the morning. Just lift your voice and worship. Sing to the Lord. Worship God. And, and increase in the knowledge.
let's bow our heads. I, I just felt like I wanted to make sure probably everybody in this room has already given your heart to Jesus. But, but what if somebody in this room hasn't really come to know Jesus as Savior? And I didn't give you the chance. That would be so tragic. So if, you, if you're here and you're, you're just saying, I really never have given my heart to Jesus. I've never have heard and knew the grace of God and truth, but now I get it. And I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand? No one's looking around. Just be me and you. I just want to see who you are and be able to pray with you. Anybody at all? felt like I needed to be sure to do that today. So that makes me think that maybe there might be someone who needs to respond. Maybe somebody online that needs to respond. Would you please be sure to type in and let us know that you responded, that you have made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Do that. Hallelujah. So Father, I pray for this congregation today. Lord, that we would increase in the knowledge of God. Lord, that we would grow deeper in our knowledge of you. We would go deeper in knowing about you. We would go deeper in experiencing you. And that, God, it would result in us walking worthy and being fully pleasing and bearing fruit in every good work, which would increase, which would result in us increasing in the knowledge of God and drawing closer to you than ever before. God, we've begun. We heard the word. We, we responded to the grace. But God, we want to be crammed full and completed. We want to be crammed full and completed. All that you've begun, finished. In every single one of us, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our King and Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.